Hi, everybody. Welcome to J.D. Power's Technology Support Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are some experts in the field, senior consultants with uh, J.D. Power uh, around technology support. Uh, Mark Miller, uh, our practice leader, uh, also Greg Dickerson and Mike Noeth. So Mark, Greg, and Mike, welcome. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the Thank you. Hey, what we wanted to cover in today's podcast was kind of a look back on 2021 and what worked well and what top performers were doing in, in the field of technology support. And so we're going to break this down kind of by topic or focus area. Uh, so why don't we start with people? Uh, what, did, what were the top performers in technology support doing in 2021 uh, around people? And Greg, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, why don't we start with you? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, you know, the, the basis for this is, you know, we work with a lot of companies and we have a set of best practices that is our scale. And so it's not just uh, what Mike and Greg think. It's really a set of objective uh, practices that we compare companies to and we identify how they're doing and we, we uh, identify gaps and make recommendations. So some of the things that the, the top companies are doing in this area around people are really uh, ensuring that they're they're keeping their teams close together, particularly in light of the fact that over the past almost two years, they've had to work in a remote setting. So things like implementing Slack channels, making sure that teams can get a hold of subject matter experts quickly. You know, support is a team sport. And, um, you know, temporarily gone are the days where you can just knock on your buddy's wall and ask him for help. You've got to make sure that they're readily available. So some uh, companies have done really good work to use technology to, to bridge that, that, that gap. Um, also, from the standpoint of the, the hiring and the onboarding, uh, you know, a lot of companies have people now who they've never met each other. They get hired, they get, they get trained, they get onboarded, and they still haven't physically met their teammates. So uh, keeping the communication going and making sure that employees feel like they're part of something, um, uh, team building programs, uh, just things to, to keep a remote workforce together. Is where is where we've seen some companies succeed, and um, and and all about communication, making sure that that from the top, the company's goals, the vision, the mission, the, the metrics, are cascaded right down through the teams and to the individuals, so that there's no question as to why we're doing what we're doing and how my work relates to that of the overall company. So those are the, some of the things we've seen so far. And and to add to that, um, I would say that. We've seen an increased emphasis on the actual process itself and improving the tools that they're using so that the when they are uh, out there um, hiring, they are getting the best possible candidates. Uh, we've seen a significant amount of investment in those recruiting tools and also in the, the people resources to make sure that they're they're finding those right candidates uh, that are a good, good fit for the organization. So, so that's, uh, I think, a good setup or segue, Greg, to our next topic, which is process. Uh, so, um, so we, we saw kind of better use of recruiting tools and, and finding the right candidates. Uh, what other processes uh, did we see put into play by the top performers in, in 2021? You know, some of the things that we've seen companies do, and, and again, we're talking about uh, technical support organizations that have a lot of expertise and have really done a lot of development in terms of 
playing up the self-service capabilities, bolstering the content in their knowledge bases, making it easy to find content, uh, ensuring that the communities, which are supposed to be self-sufficient, are, are doing the, uh, successful things there. Because the more, the, the more content that companies put out there so that customers can solve their own problems, um, it's not about uh, it's not about therefore having too many people because you don't have to do so much reactive work. It's about freeing up capacity so that those people can then use their expertise to deliver value-added services or work on their open cases or serve as uh, dedicated engineers. So we've seen a, a lot of good work in that in that area in terms of, of really shoring up the self-service aspect of things. Um, we've also seen that there are there are companies that. When a customer is opening a case via the web, which is one of the most popular channels uh, that, uh, that customers use, the companies are dynamically presenting information to them so that you might even be able to, uh, to head off what looked like an assisted case by providing content. And again, that helps a customer get their answer quickly. Uh, it enables customers to use their channel of choice. And uh, so we've seen some, some really good progress in those areas too. Absolutely. And they streamlined the content that they're providing so that it makes it easier for customers to really be able to find what they're looking for. And, um, you know, as Mike said, be able to deflect some of those and allow, you know, their uh, engineers, their experts to be able to handle the more difficult scenarios. Yeah, team, you know, one thing to me that's interesting and kind of unique about the end user, so these are the engineers at Company X who's relying on support from the technology providers themselves, is that, which is a little bit different from the, the customer base on the consumer side, is this feeling of community, right? Uh, they like to solve each other's problems, get under the hood, so to speak, and um, so it, it's um, it's great, and it's not completely self-serving, kind of like what you were mentioning, Mike. It's not to just slash cost by fifty percent. It's um, I, I would say that the top performers are going to realize some great benefits by putting investment in those community tools and the knowledge base. To your point, Greg, making it easier to find stuff. Because this group likes to do that, right? So that's one of the differences mm -hmm. between them and some of the consumers where you have brands who are forcing folks into the self-help. Um, that isn't always the case with, you know, technologists who are trying to support a technology for their, their company. So uh, I don't know if you all have any uh, more thoughts on, on what they're doing to strengthen their community. Yeah, on that, Mark, you know, it really ties back to the, the people aspect because it's really important to explain to the support organization why it's so important to put content out there. It isn't about, you know, write down everything that you know and then I may not need you anymore. It's absolutely not that. What it is is the more content we can put out there for customers to use, the more apt they are to use it to solve their own problems without having to call us because then when they do call us, it's for it's either for a unique problem or it's for something that uh, is certainly not common. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it frees us up as an organization 
to do yeah. more, to deliver higher value-added services without increasing our workforce necessarily. So it's really important to make sure that employees understand why we're doing these things and, and that it isn't uh, just you know the idea of the day from, from senior management. And I think too, uh, Mike, that what we see is utilizing that content to be able to educate the customer. So the customer may engage with an engineer and solve their issue that way. But if the, the engineer knows that the information is available, they use that as an opportunity to educate that customer on where to find things so that in the future, it makes it easier for the customer. Okay, so, so we've, we've talked about people, we've talked about process and some of the best practices that the top performing uh, technology support organizations are putting in place. Um, but I, I suppose a lot of this is um, powered by technology. So, so what, what do we see, uh, you know, what role does technology play um, for, uh, for top performers when it comes to supporting uh, the people aspect and the process aspect of the, um, of, of the service? Yeah, one, one thing that we really like to see is a, um, a CRM system that enables a, a support engineer to see everything they need to see about a customer. So that, you know, we've all called in for, for different levels of help and quite often we're asked to either you know, enter your membership number or your account number or some identification. And what's supposed to happen on the other end of that is that's supposed to populate the screen so the agent can now know who they're talking with and, and a little bit about the environment. We get a lot of uh, feedback from customers who say, I want you to know me. I want you to know who I am. And, you know, this is a relationship business. This is not uh, a high transactional um, necessarily B2C kind of thing. B2B is about building relationships, instilling trust. And it's really important for the support engineers, the agents, to understand who their customers are, what they're running, what their offerings are, what level of service they have, what their CSAT score is, what might be hot to them recently. Uh, maybe there's a big deal on the table. All the kinds of things that are going to help us provide a better experience to customers. So we like to see, uh, we like to see that. The other thing is uh, somewhat related from a technology standpoint is the more successful support organizations have a seat at the table, meaning the table being the product development table. Uh, they have both a voice and a vote in terms of product features, diagnosability, serviceability features, things which will enable the service organization, the support organization to do a better job troubleshooting and therefore, from the customer's standpoint, receive a better experience end to end. So we, we like to see that as well. The other thing around um, uh, technology, and, and there's a term omni-channel, which is different from multi-channel. Omni-channel means all of your uh, uh, applications communicate with one another. So for example, from a, a user's perspective, if I, the customer, am engaged with you in a live chat session, and it becomes apparent that that's not going to be sufficient, we need to accelerate this and take this to a, a full-blown assisted case, then that content, that conversation should be preserved and it should flow easily into the CRM system so that as the assisted case progresses, we don't have to start at the beginning. So we like to see things like that as well. It makes the customer's level of effort be less. And, that, and that's a very important uh, thing that a lot of uh, clients are measuring these days. And to that, to that point, um, that's one of the things that we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months is a significant, again, significant investment on the part of these companies to improve, enhance, or entirely replace 
their CRM system in order to be able to, um, you know, provide that level of service to their customer. Yeah, you guys, hey, I'm curious, um, you know, everything looks good in a demo, right? Uh, a lot of these companies will end up buying tech and it not necessarily work out, even though the demo was flawless. Um, what do you see these top performers do in terms of trying to prepare their data set for uh, a new technology integration? Um, that's you know where we've seen some gaps is that the data on the back end uh, isn't as accessible as we'd want it to be, and uh, therefore that holds up the actual implementation of all the features and functionalities that are available in some of these techs. So have you seen any increased discipline uh, from the, the data side of things in terms of the infrastructure to enable these tech applications to work more quickly? Uh, yeah, the one thing I've seen, Mark, is that, is that you know, there's, there's so many things you can measure, and just because you can measure it doesn't mean you should. Um, but the one thing I've seen that companies have done is they, they usually have a business intelligence team in the back that understands the support business. You know, it's, it's important to not only understand what the score is, but what game we're playing and why did we get the score and what are we going to do about it if we don't like the score. That's all important. So you've got to make sure that you've got a BI team that is fully versed in what the support business is all about because they then can provide the right data, the right, the right content that the systems can then draw from that management can then use to make the decisions. That's what I've seen work personally. Greg, perhaps you've got a, a different perspective as well. Well, what I've seen is there... Um, because of things like you mentioned, Mark, uh, issues that have cropped up in the past, I see them being more methodical in the rollout of any new tools, uh, even, you know, more so than their own products that they're offering to their customers. They tend to take it, you know, in really baby steps and just be very, very measured in how they uh, make that transition so that they aren't missing anything and they aren't losing anything in the the translation from old to new. Okay, so so just to kind of wrap up um, our, our look back on 2021 and and how top performers are actually uh, delivering, uh, we've covered a lot of ground with people and process and technology. Um, what are some of the other things that top performers are doing? Uh, to uh, to achieve that uh, that status and, and and technology support, you know, I, I think more than ever before, communication is is paramount, both internally and externally. I mentioned earlier around internally, making sure that from the top. So we like to see what's the corporate strategy, and then what's the what's the customer support strategy, and there really should be some alignment there, uh, to to state the obvious. And if there isn't, then we, we've got to poke it. Why not? But assuming there is alignment and then that strategy cascades right down through the individual teams and to the individuals themselves, that has to be not a one-time deal, but over and over again, because again, we're dealing with the distributed workforce. Then there's the external communication. And, you know, it's surprising. There are some support organizations out there who only talk to their customers during a mm. problem. That's when they talk to them most. And, and, that's, and that's fine. But there's also an opportunity when, you know, when things aren't on fire to solicit input on 
What do you think of our products? What do you think of our service offerings? What do you think of our terms and conditions, our pricing, our practices? How easy is it for you to do business with me? And uh, we like to see, we would like to see more of that in general. And, and those who are most successful uh, take advantage of, of doing that. It, 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 it has to continue to monitor the quality of the work. Uh, we, we like to see organizations that will take a sample of cases and, and dissect them and figure out what went well and what could have gone differently and, and ensure that, that that's used as learning back into the organization. And then we also like to see if it's applicable uh, as strong outsourcing strategy. Sometimes we'll see a company that will use an outsource partner and they've kind of lost the plot in terms of why. And we want to make sure that uh, companies understand why they're using an outsourcing partner. Again, if they choose to do so, what products are they supporting? What offerings are they are they providing? And so forth. And those are the kinds of things that uh, I think are uh, kind of round out some of the, the strong points that we saw in the past year. And uh, one other area that uh, that I would mention would be, you know, a few years ago we saw the the shift of companies to a um, you know relationship or um, NPS style or inclusion of NPS style questions in their transactional surveys. And, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, going through the evaluation process with some of these customers, we've had that conversation to talk about, you know, what's the proper place for a relationship style survey versus really getting to the heart of things in a transactional survey that's going to help understand whether or not the problem was resolved and how the communication was with that particular engineer. So what we've seen is now there is a shift back to a pure customer satisfaction style survey and uh, relegating the relationship questions to a you know different vehicle that allows for a focus on the customer and the relationship versus you know, making sure that all of the, you know, T's have been crossed and the I's have been dotted when it comes to the customer problem. Thanks, Greg. So we're, we're getting really close to the end of 21. And uh, if we if we kind of turn our focus and attention to, to looking ahead and looking forward into 2022, uh, what do we what do we expect to see in 22? Uh, that we didn't see in 21 from the, the top performers in technology support? Yeah, I think you're going to continue to see companies try to certainly improve in their core businesses. Let's do a better job with self-service. Let's do a better job with relationship management. Let's do a better job hiring and training and all that, all those fundamentals. But I think the key thing that, that companies are going to wrestle with is in 2022, are we going back to the office? Uh, if so, when and how? Is it going to be all in? Is it going to be a hybrid model? Because as I mentioned earlier, support is a team sport. And, and I don't know, honestly, that all the technology out there is a substitute for that. You certainly can use Slack to get a hold of your teammates. And a lot of companies, as I mentioned, have done a great job in making uh, experts readily accessible. But is it the same as going to lunch with your new teammates and, and seeing them in the hallway and going for coffee afterwards or, or whatever the case may be? Is the learning still there? So I think that companies are still trying to figure out what's the best way to ensure that uh, even in light of all the technology in the world, are they serving their customers the best way possible? And I, I'm not sure anybody's figured that out yet. 
and I also think they haven't figured out the training aspect mm. that what you lose when yeah. you're in a um, you know in a Zoom call one on one style training versus getting that group interaction and having that feedback bounce back and forth. And so understanding how to fully put together the, the training uh, process itself, I think is another area where you're going to see a lot of focus in 22 uh, because it's going to take some time, whether it's a hybrid or whether it's, um, you know, still staying working from home, it's going to take some time to, work through all those measures and be able to ensure that they're getting the uh, the best possible training uh, and which then enables them to provide the best possible service to their customers. Yeah, team, I would just add that in 2022, if executives aren't focusing on that frontline manager who's dealing with those folks who are interfacing directly with customers, that they're going to be in serious trouble. Uh, just all of the trends, what we've experienced with the great resignation, the fact that you can now choose your employer much more easily than you ever been able to uh, before. Finding good people is really hard. If uh, in 2022 we don't see executives focusing well within the organization to that frontline manager because that is the person who is most responsible for somebody staying or leaving. You're going to see some challenges from an employee standpoint um, and ability to service customers. So um, if you're in the service business, have to really pay close attention to uh, the frontline managers and uh, that should be an emphasis in 2022. So it sounds like some key challenges in front of us for 22. It's going to be interesting to follow uh, follow this to see how it plays out. So, so Greg and Mike and Mark, thanks so much for joining us uh, today on the podcast. Thanks very much for having us. Appreciate it. And I want to thank all of our listeners as well, and we'll see you next time.